Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with State Corporate Training. Thank you to Craig Hass and his team for their ongoing support of the Collisions YYC podcast. Leadership, a term that conjures up everything from images of the hard charging Hollywood portrayal to the introverted, quiet CEO who emerges from their office with a magical path forward for the organization. No matter what comes to mind for you, I guarantee it'll be different than it was pre pandemic. After the past 18 months, the demand on leaders at all levels of the organization has changed. No longer can you rely on technical expertise alone. People on your team need you to be more human, and more importantly, human in a way that matters to them. Through my interviews with the team at SAIT, I was introduced to a more balanced approach to leadership, one that was truly a game changer for me and my perspective around what it is to be a successful leader. They call it the six leadership intelligences. Adaptability, emotional, collaborative, social, psychological, and digital intelligences. At first blush, aside from a couple, you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, what do these have to do with leadership? I'm here to tell you everything. We live in a world with a rapidly changing landscape that requires the need for human connection that has never been more important. How can you manage change if you are unable to create deep, safe, and meaningful connections with people around you? Simply put, you can't. Whether it's an entire organization, a division, a field office, or a small team, if you're not equipped with the intelligence you need, all the smarts in the world won't bring a group of people together to make the opportunities and challenges facing your organizations today. SAID is here to help you and your teams put together a package to put the skills in place for a safe, inclusive, and high-performing culture. To find out more about what they can do for you and your organization, please check them out at sait.ca slash corporate training, or better yet, open up your email and contact Craig Hess directly at craig.hess at sait.ca, that's H-E-S-S. He would love to chat with you and walk you through your needs and how they can put together a solution for you and your team. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Lawrence Corngut. How are you doing, Lawrence? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you today, Tyler? I am great. Thanks so much. We've been chit-chatting away and as usual, need to push the big shiny record button. Uh, really excited to have you on. You and I connected a while back. I was familiar of maybe your work and, uh, you know, classic small town Calgary. How many times do I say that on, on this show? Sooner or later, somebody who knows somebody and you introduce and then you find out, you know, how you have five, you have five friends in common. I think that you and I have already kind of checked those, that Calgary box right away. But I want to, before we dive into, like, we got a lot of topics that we're going to talk about commercialization of the health industry. We're going to talk about digital health. But maybe before we do that, I was on your LinkedIn, which I always do, and you've got a pretty hefty, so... Lawrence, kind of what, like, what are you involved in? Give us a story a little bit about who you are, and then let's kind of break out and kind of go down some of the rabbit holes we're going to go down today. Wonderful. Thank you, Tyler. So, so fundamentally, I, I'm a neurologist at the University of Calgary. I subspecialize in, in neuromuscular disorders, so disorders of muscle and nerve. And probably about 60 to 70% of my time over the last decade plus has been focused on two things um, in my research program. One was uh, bringing communities together, organizing um, large groups of patients through digital tools, um, patient registries, uh, and, and, and learning about that process, what, what was beneficial for people, what, what was helpful, uh, and, and how co communities could work together to, to bring in new treatments. And the, the other side of my program was clinical development, so, so running clinical trial programs to to look at new treatments for diseases like ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, which which most people these days have heard of, um, and so that led to you know the the, the current uh, activities that I'm involved in, which I think along that journey, uh, realizing that there's only so far you can bring technologies forward, whether they be digital or whether they be biopharmaceutical, uh, within a university environment, and, and this is well recognized, um, and then and then going through the process 
purpose of then bringing those um, uh, learnings and and products outside of the university uh, to to develop them in a commercial way, so that in, ultimately you can you can bring them to impact into the community to benefit people, so so they can use the products, benefit from them, and and hopefully improve their lives. So just a couple of things I wanted to find. When you say the word communities, you're referring to literally the community we lived in Calgary being our community, or are you referring to different groups of communities where you have people suffering from certain afflictions, just so we kind of get our words and terminology right? Yeah, so, so, so the, 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 the real opportunity when it comes to health, as in many other sectors, uh, is, is that the, 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 the challenges are, are global, right? And, and so whatever challenges we have locally in Calgary, the vast majority of them will be the same in you know Europe, United States, Africa, and so so the goal is always to to sort of have proof of concept, maybe in a more local way, um, uh, or or a regional, national way. But the, the 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 hope always is is that when you have an impact, it is a global one. Okay, so you think I really appreciate that that these aren't local challenges you're looking to address; these are human issues, and then for it's on a global stage. Thinking about just, and I think we'll get into this kind of how the world is evolving. Uh, with like, you know, you and I are chatting offline of like the commercialization and taking things from the academic and the research community. How much has that world changed in just say the last 10 years or 15 years? Like, has it changed as rapidly and aggressively? Like I'm thinking of maybe your world of being a researcher and focusing, you know, as a professor at the university versus now, when I look at your LinkedIn profile, you're significantly involved in the commercialization and the business community. I, has that shifted? And has it become a little bit more prevalent that ability to bridge the gap or certainly a desire and the infrastructure to do that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a massive, massive transformation in my own personal experience. You know, 12, 13 years ago when I started at the University of Calgary, I hadn't even heard of this process. I hadn't, you know, seen it. And not, not that it didn't go on. I mean, there was, you know, scientists, entrepreneurs who were highly successful, but it, it just wasn't something that was part of the everyday, uh, you know, awareness. Um, and I think there's still a ways to go in terms of in terms of positioning that for, for my colleagues across the university. But certainly there's been tremendous efforts made from, from the top of the university down and from the bottom of the university up to, to really create opportunities opportunities and awareness about the importance of the entrepreneurial process within health, well, within any form of research, really. Not all things need to be commercialized, but those that can benefit, uh, that should be considered. I had uh, Deborah Karash on a while back and she said, she made the comment a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek that it's almost not cool anymore to not have a side hustle as a prof and having something going on or an entrepreneurial venture, I think is the word she used to be, to be clear. But she also said, she gave a lot of credit that that was a very clear mandate and from an administration level and a leadership level at the university where that became a lot more, this is part of the process. And I just appreciate when cultural changes like that happen, there's often movements or there's there's people that lead that. Was that your experience at the university where all of a sudden this became more top of top of mind? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, for the first half of my career, I felt, you know, I, I, I felt that the entrepreneurial route was the way I needed to go with some of the work we were doing. But A, I had no idea how to do that. And B, um, I didn't think that was part of my role uh, at the university, whereas now, so I think there's two parts to it. And and Deborah Karash is a great example of a successful scientist and entrepreneur um, who is bringing incredible technology towards patients. Um, But I think individuals like her normalize the process. They they highlight and normalize when, 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 as more and more of your peers pursue these kind of endeavors, uh, the more inclined people are to say, hey, I, I have 
some ideas too, and I, I I think this is a good thing to do. And and but the other half of that I think is is the administration saying yes, and here are some programs to help you. Here here are some opportunities to you know get credit for the work you're doing. Um, and then the third piece of it is the is the ecosystem around Calgary to say and here's where the help is to to get you oriented and and set you up for success. That ecosystem in Calgary, I'm glad you kind of, you, 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 you're really helping me lead to my, what was my brain was formulating my next question. How is, we've got an ecosystem in Calgary, an investment and investor ecosystem or a business ecosystem that's been very connected to a very traditional energy-based, you know, success path. We, we knew how to do it. We did it well. We did it over and over again. For yourself coming into this ecosystem and saying, well, wow, we want to commercialize and bring things forward that maybe are not are not things that investors or, or business savvy individuals were used to seeing. How much education and what's how's that transpired over the last couple of years to get people a little bit more comfortable with investing in things that maybe weren't in their portfolios from a simple way to put it uh, five years ago? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's been good progress and I think there's still a long way to go. It's sort of both those you know aspects at the same time. But I think there's increasing awareness. I think I think with you know what what ultimately attracts investors is success. Uh, and so, so I think ultimately, as more companies raise capital, as more companies grow and 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 reach the, those, maybe not quite exits, but but licensing deals and partnerships with with big global players, partners, um, that that attracts interested investors. You know, I think we're probably still in that early adopter uh, kind kind of phase when yeah, it comes yeah. to health, when it comes to digital health. Uh, but at, but that's still great great progress. Uh, and 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 really, there there is a global uh, global networks of investors out there that are accessible. I think where you are these days is less important than what you're doing. However, uh, having a strong network of investors in Calgary is critical for the very very early stages, in particular, of of, of companies uh, that are coming out of the university and are starting in the community. Uh, and and I think we're just seeing the beginning of that. And and I think as more success is is showcased, uh, hopefully we'll see more and more interest. Interesting. And it is so much, and you know, the word digital health gets thrown, gets talked about a lot. And I think we can all perceive that as well. My ability to communicate with my doctor via email and not have to use a fax machine and some of the things that are, we see as consumers. But when you think about what you guys do from a scientific level, how much is digital, is this the word digital playing into that? Because a lot of the work you do with you know, neuromuscular and some of the things you're looking to improve quality of life, they arguably are not digital in nature, but is, is it all being accelerated because digital is just allowing us to do more things at scale? Yeah, so what I love about the digital health aspect of, of the work I do is that I always feel like I'm, you know, innovating in the setting of innovators and 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 things move so quickly. And, and, and this is, you know, I would say it's a foregone conclusion at this point that, you know, Everything is being digitized. You know the, yes. the the clinical process, the the process of raising awareness of an illness, the process of diagnosis, accelerating that time to diagnosis, um, accelerating the precision of which treatments a patient will receive because it is optimal for them based on you know all of their characteristics, um, all the way through to to, to just the, the entire journey. Uh, and and I think what we're seeing as therapeutics are developed um, that are more costly or or, or higher 
value, you could say, uh, for, for certain diseases, there are increasing numbers of digital tools that accompany that patient journey to help them and support them in that process as well. And so digital health is such a broad, and some of digital health means within the healthcare system. And, 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 but, but, but I think as a, as a clinician, you quickly realize early in your career that the majority of time a patient spends it with their illness is outside of the clinic, like 99.9%. And so, so a lot of that journey being supported through digital health tools as well, it's just a massive, massive area, which is a massive opportunity. Um, but it, it, and we're seeing, you know, Calgary play, play a considerable role in that, in that story. Interesting. So when you look globally, and I'm always curious, because ultimately we have to pick it, pivot back to this is a Calgary-based podcast, but it's, these are global issues we're talking about. Are we looking to other jurisdictions or municipalities or just geographic places in the world for inspiration? Or because health is such a global, uh, there's a level of consistency in terms of like wanting to improve the quality of life for people. I guess curious where Calgary sits in that echelon. Are we behind? Are we ahead? Are we in step? And and maybe that's a hard one to answer in this question, but always looking kind of where we where we land in terms of uh, where the world is is headed. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we are at the early stages of of the digital health ecosystem within Calgary. I, I think there's been, you know, some strong successes, um, but but you know, we, we are early. It's a growing number of of companies. But what where, where I would position Calgary and and Canada, you know, for that matter, mm-hmm. is you know, I, I I often you know hear this concept of competition with the Silicon Valleys or the other digital health sort of centers, Cambridge, Massachusetts, you know, around around the world. Um, and, and, you know, what I look for is opportunities, not, not to compete, but, but where, where our natural, um, advantages, you know, put us at advantage. And so, okay. so, so, you know, having a universal healthcare system, having, you know, uh, patient, you know, patients in, in my area, you know, where you're looking at diseases that tend to be rare diseases or less common diseases, the fact that there's one hospital that will treat virtually all patients with a given disease through a, through one specific clinic is a huge advantage over, you know, if you, if you go to New York and there's 50 hospitals and, and it's all partitioned and, and really impossible to address uh, that disease in a holistic kind of way without getting into the complexity of all of those care providers. And so, so there, there, I think Canada and, and, and Calgary specifically is well suited um, to, to, to introduce digital health tools, to validate them, to serve as proof of concept, and then they can be rolled out on a, on a multinational global kind of level. Uh, and the other, the other advantage we have is look at Alberta Health Services, right? I mean, Alberta Health Services, you know, um, oversees the healthcare for, for all of Alberta. And so this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, you know, um, gatekeepers to, to an entire patient population. And so when there are uh, digital tools or any health intervention or, or support tool that can benefit patients, you, you know, it's, 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 um, it's, it's much more readily accessible to a company or, or researchers. Now, now, you know, it's not optimal and, and this is being worked on by AHS, um, but 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 I think Cal- Calgary and Alberta have tremendous innovation potential once once those roadmaps have been sorted out. I really appreciate you laying out you know what could be what what are what are our actual strengths like you know that generalist approach gives us more access which then gives us more perspective. That's interesting to hear you break it out that way. I've often heard and had other guests on and uh, that have you know maybe been in the commercial sector looking to work in 
the health with the health with healthcare professionals or even academia and the complaint of speed and slow and so much red tape and obviously a lot of that is there for a reason to keep people safe maintain privacy do a lot of the things that we we take for granted we expect as as individuals in this society i'm curious are you seeing cuz digital could also be a synonym for fast <laughs> things move quick and sometimes overwhelmingly so in the healthcare space, are we are we speeding up? Are we getting better? Or is there a bit of a tug of war between the way it's been done and the speed at which things are happening in our kind of modern world? Yeah, no, health systems are slow, right? And 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 they are huge and they are complex and and as a result they are they are slow. Um the, the role and there's a role for innovation by the health system for the health system but largely what I what I see and feel is that is that it, it is startups it is smaller companies it, it, in conjunction with bigger players uh, that that are able to move quicker uh, and 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 digital is fast right by 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 definition and the it, it, just to keep up with with what the opportunities are and 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 how they are evolving um, and so so really you know when it comes to Potential partnerships between the public and 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 private. These are essential, right? I mean, you, you as a startup, as a small digital health company, you need the buy-in of the healthcare system for validation, for proof of concept, for and so so you know part of part of the opportunity in Calgary and Alberta is is to is to build those kind of bridges, which which AHS is act uh, actively doing, the universities are actively pursuing. Um, because that's that's really what accelerates the the process, um, but it does it, it is you know because it's health and because there's rigorous regulation and and privacy and and um, all of those aspects it, it does it does it, it is a longer road. Fair enough, just just by its inherent parts. But there is I often look first. Is there a willingness to improve that and to I say improve being faster, being better, which is not always a synonym there. But sounds like there is a, a movement, or certainly the, the need is is no not questionable in terms of like how can we get better outcomes for patients faster. Talk to us a little bit. You're founder and chief medical officer at, at Lumio, and just to be clear, you guys weren't always called Lumio, right? That's a that's a new that's a rebrand. That's right. Yeah. So we launched as Data Affinity Health six years ago. We uh, came out of my research program at the at the University of Calgary. Uh, as mentioned, you know, you know, we we were focused on on you know how do you use data uh, to to allow and enable companies to uh, uh, patient groups, health communities to self organize. Um, as we saw the benefits of this in our work, uh, you know, supporting the organization of the neuromuscular disease community in Canada and diseases like ALS, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, spinal muscular atrophy, where, where treatments were few and far between and are, 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 are increasing fairly rapidly at this point. And part of that is uh, communities that are organized facilitating clinical trials and, and, and things like this. And so, so we quickly uh, launched Data Affinity Health, which um, you know developed a platform, provided these kind of informatic and sort of you know, uh, consultative expertise in 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 organizing data collection programs across cities, provinces, countries, uh, and then uh, earlier this year we rebranded to Lumio to reflect our growth as a company, uh, but also to reflect the expansion of the work that we're doing just across all forms of health data. Interesting. So when you think data, and I'm an individual now. I'm like, well, is this, are they using my data for something? Or is this, are we really talking about is a bit of more of an anonymous data set that allows companies to now 
get access to these like large repositories of information to make decisions, to look for trends, just to understand. I think sometimes there's that fear. And when you don't know, you're like, well, how's my data being used? And I think over the last couple couple of years, we've all become a lot more aware of that, certainly in the digital realm as, as consumers every day. When you talk about patient data, are we talking about creating a data set that is cleansed in the sense that everything that can be valuable for patient outcomes is there, but that individual personal information has been removed? Yeah, so so those are all critical issues when it comes to health, you know, data, when it comes to health, commercial health entities, there is a higher standard, right? And and privacy is, is paramount. Security is, is paramount. Um, governance is critical. Um, and, and so if you look at it from the patient perspective, patients will often express a frustration with the slow pace of development and, and the hope that, that their contribution of their own data into a system will accelerate things. Um, sometimes patients are, are, are just as uh, frustrated with red tape as, as they are with, with, uh, with, with the impacts of their illnesses uh, upon them. Um, but on the other hand, if you look at, you know, regulatory or you look at companies, um, you know, the challenges are the red tape and, 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 and all of these issues as well. At Lumio, we see all of this as opportunity because, you know, it, it, the barriers are there for a reason and it is to protect, uh, protect all, all, all involved. Um, and so, so what Lumio does is we, through a consent-based process, so patients are consented by their by their clinicians and participate in the systems that are that are built, um, and and are able to c- contribute toward toward our understanding of a disease. Um, their personal identifiers are never released to anybody, um, you know, outside outside of the platform. All of the programs are run by run by physicians, uh, the, the physicians that, that that look after the the, the patients, um, okay. and so so the data isn't owned by Lumio or by any companies. Uh, but what we do is support the use of the data by all stakeholder, meaning patient organizations, whether it be for advocacy or other purposes, by by university uh, academics uh, to conduct research, uh, pharmaceutical companies who are important stakeholders as well, who are developing the next generation of therapeutics uh, for for any given disease, uh, and so so. But managing all of those relationships in a transparent, well governed way that is secure and and with the, with the patient at the center in in regards to their privacy. Um, is 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 the business of 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 digital health companies like this, uh, and 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 Lumio, uh, you, you know, has 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 grown fairly quickly. Where our platform is now deployed in eighteen countries, uh, we've we've managed to to put together you know, automated tools to to accelerate this process, and we have a strong grand vision of where um, this field is going, and 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 we want to be the leaders, uh, and 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 are actively investing and developing and innovating. Uh, and so it's an exciting process. And when you link it back to the, the university, the, the mm-hmm. academic setting where it came out of, we could not do this in that setting, but we, we, could, we also wouldn't be here without it. And so, so that, that journey, is, 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 there's, a, there's a direct line here that, that, that enabled that. How much for you was that a shift? Because you know, I appreciate your as a neurologist and the world that you live in and understanding and being able to deal with data. But I can only imagine that as you started to grow this, the, you needed data scientists, you needed machine learning, AI, like all the buzzwords we hear floating around, sometimes they sit on these islands and we look at them as this this thing that's happening. But when you start to talk about what you're putting together, it's the ability and the technology and the place that we're at that's allowed this data to now become useful 
and manageable and being able to tap into it. So for you, how much was that of a learning curve of just knowing even who to bring on the team? Like, like that question of like, well, who do we hire next? <laughs> who do we need to solve well, what problem? Well, I think as any, you know, as, as anybody originating out of an academic setting, the science is the easier part. The, the harder, the, the, you know, it's not easy per se, but it's, it is much easier than the building of the right team with the right people who are deeply passionate and, and see the impact, see the mission, conduct themselves at a higher level of transparency and, you know, all of those things we talk about in, in, in health um, that, that are, that are, that are, you know, our table stakes to be there. Um, and, and, and I have to say that was the biggest challenge at the beginning. And it is the, is the, my, 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 favorite part, you know, having gone through it is, is building out an amazing team. Um, and, and that, that kind of snowballs on itself as, 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 you know, the, the, the great people working with us bring on additional great people. Uh, and, and, and at this point, you know, I'm happy to say Lumio has, has grown considerably that, you know, my, my role at this point is to add value to what we're doing from, whether it be a strategic uh, perspective or, or uh, you know, just thinking down to, to, to our programs in some more detail. But, but I think for any entrepreneur, it's a thrill when, when the company, if you don't keep up with it, it's going to keep going, right? And, and so, 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 so I think Calgary has, has been critical in this and, and people coming from other industries and joining us, coming out of energy, coming out of, um, you know, other, other sectors and learning about health and just getting, going all in on it has been, has been thrilling for me. Kind of answered my next about like staffing. Has it, talent acquisition been a challenge for you guys to find the right people in this market? But it sounds like you guys were also open to individuals that were willing to pivot and imply, you know, and an, you know, an aligned skill set with a new purpose and a new sense of learning. But but taking what they've done for the last twenty years X Y Z and bring it into this space. That's really exciting. Has a talent like do you have talent also all over the world? Have you guys really taken advantage of this last eighteen months of being able to get access to people anywhere, any time zone, and have that less of a barrier than it once was? Yeah. So 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 you know we're keen supporters. I would say of the of the Calgary eco. You know we want to create opportunities in Calgary. We want um, we want to develop our business globally with with local benefit local expertise um but but at the same time you know we we do have a small contingent in vancouver um we we, we we've had folks from from montreal um but but the vast majority is in in calgary and this is the the future for us is calgary that's um awesome. yeah. I, I really i really think that that's important that's important. Um, but I also think the talent pool is so deep because I, I, I don't necessarily look to hire just health experienced, you know, uh, people. We, we're looking for the best people who are passionate, you know, have tremendous operational experience, uh, can, can move the needle in a small company, um, you know, with, you know, and, and, and learn and are eager to learn about health. Um, because, because the health piece is, 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 is I think easier uh, to learn than the specific expertise that those individuals are bringing to the table. I think that's much harder to teach. I appreciate that. And I, I love the diversity. And, and we do live in a world where the more varied perspectives we have, the better better position we're going to be to solve complex problems because we're, we're, no one's solving simple problems anymore. They all have layers and depth. Talk to me a little bit about, about Castex Ventures. You know, I noticed 2020, so fairly recent, kind of emerged throughout. That. I'd imagine that's maybe when it came alive. It's maybe something that had percolated in the background. But that feels like your way of now you've put on your facilitate investor support hat 
of was it a little bit of like, hey, we saw what we needed or could have used when we were starting uh, that affinity? Man, it would have been great if that was around. And I'm kind of I'm seeing the entrepreneur of like creating what you maybe would have liked to have had when you were on your journey. <laughs> if I'm yeah. reading that correctly, yeah. So Castex Ventures to me is is has been an exciting journey, partnering with Mark Sterrett and, and Gord Anderson um, around the concept of a, of a boutique venture builder. And so so um, you know we we're a group and 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 again the. the the needs of the companies we get involved in are are much more commercial than they are medical scientific because we partner with scientists and so they bring that scientific expertise. So really, um, the the expertise that Castex Ventures brings forward is that you know operational experience, that governance experience of how do you structure a company in 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 a in a productive way and and then and then really roll up sleeves and 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 move it move it forward. What people don't appreciate necessarily is that while we have a, a thriving ecosystem in terms of accelerators and, and programs, the, the the first step that is the challenge rolling a company out of the university is, is that often the scientist is not an entrepreneur uh, and, and, and doesn't, you know, they want to be a scientist. They, they don't want to be a full-time entrepreneur. And so for, for some scientists who are passionate and highly effective at entrepreneurship, um, a group like this is not, not going to be helpful. Um, okay. it, it, it really is for, for scientists who uh, perhaps feel that there, there is no other way forward in terms of that first step of even, how do you even begin to conceptualize a company around, around their intellectual property? So we've, we've partnered with that with I would say a handful of of scientists um, and 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 just as you pointed out it's all learnings from my journey and data affinity that attracted this to me because Mark and Gord came on board data affinity we'd been around for three four years we, you know we were we were we were operating we were we were delivering on our programs but we weren't growing um, you know that we just could not get past that hump and I think bringing in two seasoned uh, individuals with strong governance uh, you know corporate structuring uh, and operations experience I mean it transformed everything I mean we went from um, you know three people to 22 in a year, uh, you know, basically uh, without raising capital, right? And and that's oh, just wow. that, that's just that because we've never you know to date, and, and we see the value, and 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 I think we will be heading towards a capital raise with Lumio, uh, but but we haven't done that to date, and so oh interesting, so, oh I, I just would have assumed that might have happened. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. So 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 you know we bootstrap this for for you know there's pros and cons around that strategy, and and um, but but you know. I think my eyes were open to the benefit of of the right team with the with the right structure, uh, sort of setting the company up for success. Um, and so for Lumio, this has been transformational. And so uh, some of our some of my colleagues at the University of Calgary were interested in going along a similar journey. And so we formed Castex to to support them with that. We have a team of 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 ten individuals who work at Castex to support companies, whether it be legal counsel, uh, whether it be from an operations perspective. Uh, and we're able to share those individuals with the different companies in, in, a, in a cost offset kind of way, okay. uh, because building that core team, especially when it comes to drug development, um, you, you can't build a company, you know, that, that develops a drug uh, without raising capital. It's a totally different, you know, uh, process because you can't get those revenues until way, you're pre-revenue the whole time, basically. <laughs> and so <laughs> the moment it happens. Yeah. Right. And so, so, so yeah, so it's been a tremendous journey. I think we 
we've learned a lot. Uh, you know, the, the the approach has been one to be constructive with the University of Calgary and 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 innovate Calgary to to really you know optimize the process. And I think they see great value in, in what Castex is doing. Um, but but uh, but yeah, interesting. So Castex. Castex is not a VC. It's not an early stage investor in that sense, as much as it's an operational partner that helps facilitate exactly. the missing pieces. Okay. I'm really glad you, you, cause I hear, I see the word ventures and I immediately assume, which is let's never assume it's a dangerous practice that you guys were coming in more as, and that's an interesting position because there's a lot of conversations I've had recently with, with, you know, seed round and, and early stage investors. And they're like, you know, we don't just want to write a check. We want to participate. We want to support. You know, I had someone say, James Lockery from Thinner Labs. He's like, I, I've, I've been, I've raised the child. Now I want to be the grandparent, but I, but I want to help you make some of those right decisions where you guys are coming in very much from an, from a operational partner perspective. Would you then be at the table then to help facilitate some of these partners, some of these companies to go out and make those first rounds of raises and structure it? Cause again, you can make some missteps early on and misstructure some of those early raises, which I've had a lot of companies say in Canada, we're notorious for setting our companies up for failure because we don't do the first raise properly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, so, you know, again, the, the the companies that Castex is involved in are are so early stage um, that that there, there's sort of a long runway even before you hit the capital raise stage just to try to get things organized. You know, the intellectual property, what's the strategy, um, and so so this is a time point in a university. Uh, project turning into a company that there is no resource there is no financial resource so 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 the time effort and and sort of in kind that that castex provides in terms of the team um you know is is the value so we don't we don't inject capital at this point um but but i think in 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 james lockery and thin air labs is a great example of a very successful local group that that is that is inspiring and 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 but there's so much value you can add before that for capital raise to, to to exactly to your point to 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 set it up for success and so 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 but in fact uh, to the earlier point that the scientists we work with they're they're not the ones who are comfortable giving the pitch uh, to investors and so so it is our team members that that actually go and not only help with the raise but actually um, are the ones pitching the, the the company often with the support of the scientist um, but that's 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 there's a a large there's a large amount of intellectual property at the University of Calgary and at other universities that has that same sort of um, phenotype that it isn't an entrepreneur who's going to feel comfortable in front of you know investors asking tough questions that's that's just not that's just not how they want to spend their time and so so adding those roles within those early companies is really critical um, before there's a, any resource in the company. I really appreciate the timeline of like, how do we get everybody set up for success when they do hit that early stage? And, you know, literally, I think if I had a whiteboard in my office, I, I would be able to keep constantly, drew, drew, I could draw this left to right and keep dropping people on the timeline. And it's so easy from the outside when you don't spend time in the space. Like, oh, venture capital and seed rounds and series A, they get thrown around a lot, but there is very much a sequencing of events that needs to happen in the right order to set companies up for success. And it's different in different sectors, whether it's a pure technology play versus, you know, digital health and all the different criteria that are there. So how many, um, how many companies, you said a handful, how many groups are you supporting right now through Castex? So, so there are six, including, including Lumio. Um, and, and then that's our maximum. So, so, so we're not, you know, um, expanding, you know, 
the 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 support we can provide at this point because you know each company requires that much time time and effort from from the whole team um but um but yeah and so so it's an interesting process because biotech startups i think in some ways are a little bit different like every company has a runway every company has you know a ticking clock but what we're what we're finding is is that the 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 clock for for an early stage biotech let's say with a drug that's being developed the patent that you know the the engine of the company is the value of the patent to the, to the market yep. um uh, for for the compound and as companies spin out of of the university of calgary or any other university that clock is just ticking really really quickly and the amounts that that it costs to maintain worldwide patent rights to composition of matter or method of use for a given drug you know are, are quite high I mean this is hundreds of thousands of dollars in a very in very near terms and so so th- you know our our companies that we're involved in you know they really do have one kick at the can it isn't there's no pivot right like there's no there's no pivot down the road because once that clock expired if you can't cover you know the costs of of, of, of sort of global rights um, it's a challenge, and all, all all companies deal with this. Um, and so, having having early funding through you know the University of Calgary Innovate Calgary UCED program, for example, is is a tremendous advantage for Calgary's in company. Okay. Uh, sorry, Calgary uh, companies in Calgary, uh, but it's it's a challenge. It feels like a massive barrier to entry of why the big you know, big eat small kind of mindset where we're looking for innovation and sometimes those smaller, smaller groups that are looking to disrupt and have that passion to do something new. But it sounds like, it sounds like the deck is almost stacked against them in terms of being able to, like you said, have enough runway with a fast ticking clock. (laughs) You gave me lots of good metaphors to really, I can feel the sense of urgency that'll happen. And, you know, we talk about burn, like that burn will be on fire for some of these companies to get to that finish line fast enough without kind of burning out. No, it is. And, and so, you know, the, the key is to do as much work as possible as quickly towards those patents uh, to, 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 to make sure that that you have that coverage. Be, uh, and um, and and yeah, no, it's it's it, that is probably the single biggest challenge in, in drug development um, that that and the fact that it's it's it, it's riskier than many other sectors. Yeah. Right. And so like Lumio, for example, has been a much more straightforward business because um there's a service you provide as you're building out your product, uh, and so you're able to generate revenues. And so it's a matter of speed. It's it's you know it's it's you can you can you can have arguments about how quickly do we go, how quickly do we burn the revenues that we have. Um, whereas when you're developing a drug, uh, again, it's it's that patent clock, and 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 so 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 it's fascinating to to be a part of these different organizations. Well, listen, listen. You talk about Lumio. It's much more in line with a SaaS company, a more te- pure technology company that happens to be in the health space, versus a drug innovation company, which is very clearly in that sector and deals with all of the challenges that that exist there. Um, right. Curious. I've had other guests on, you know, over the years. I've just in conversations with people of like where they say, you know what, we have phenomenal kind of biotech and health industry talent that comes out of our university and leaves because there hasn't been an industry here to pick them up. It, do you has that been true from your observation? And are we moving to a place like brain drains? A conversation that comes up often in different ways. Uh, hearing that, man, we've had all these great people, but there just wasn't any place for them to land after university, so they had to leave our province to go somewhere else to pursue their own careers. Is that shifting? Is this also part of that of moving us in a different direction to having a little bit more of a sustainable uh, sector to support all of this talent? 
It's a challenging question, right? Because the skill sets that are needed in an early stage biotechnology or digital health company are very different than the skill sets needed working as a global lead for big pharma or, you know, in, in, in a corporate kind of, so, 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 you know, there is, there is a, a, a flow of expertise that goes to larger corporations, you know, where you have seasoned um, researchers or, 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 you know, clinicians that, that get those kind of opportunities and move to Basel, Switzerland or wherever. Um, so, so that definitely, that definitely happens, but it's not, it's also not the um, necessarily the type of individual you you need for these early early stage okay. companies okay. right and so 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 for 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 an early biotech i mean what you need is 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 an entrepreneur who who will take on any task and, and make it happen right and, yep. and so so that that skill set is 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 what what we need more of in the community and and there's lots of people like this around right i mean there's lots of from from various industries in that um and so I I would say there's there there's more people here than are leaving in in, in from from that perspective like okay. um and so 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 but that's also part of and and actually we've had venture capitalists mention this that they like the idea of the company the drug development firm being in Calgary because we the, the people we're going to hire locally aren't shopping their jobs every six months to the next I've biotech. Heard, I've, heard, I've heard comments right. like that as well. And, and this and this was a firm out of out of out of Montreal actually who was saying this is a major issue where where there's just this constant churn sure. of of staff. Whereas whereas we're, we're not seeing that. Um, and so 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 you know because there isn't all those opportunities in the community yet. And so so for now that is an advantage. And we've all seen that living in the you know the energy the energy industry of people going across the street and the boom times for you know someone will pay X amount more and the constant churn and the impact that that has on organizations and especially in an innovative organization every time you lose somebody you're losing that intellectual capital and that role that they can play in your organization so we fast forward five or ten years down the road in Calgary do we see People looking at Calgary as, wow, yeah, Calgary actually has this innovative health sector that has it has established drug companies. Is that something you see becoming much more established that we can actually, you know, be a bigger, slightly bigger dot on our map for that on a, on a North American stage for, for that matter? Oh, I think so. I think I think what's interesting at you know the Hotchkiss Brain Institute's a great example where there is there is so much great science, so much great intellectual property. You know, much of that property would have been commercialized much earlier if you were at Stanford or another center that that was that has a long history of of, of rapid commercialization of biotechnology. And so so because we're kind of reaching that point now, and and there's a strong interest in innovating um, science into the community. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a critical mass from 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 that. There's there's a lot of substrate, so there's a lot of substrate for companies to form out of. Um, at the same time, as there's increasing resources and and ecosystem players and contributors to support, um, and then uh, on top of that, there's a, there's a willing workforce to to, to come together uh, and 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 operate these kind of companies. And so so the other piece of that puzzle is financial resource, right? And so, so I think increasingly we're seeing um, the slow growth of, of organized capital into the biotechnology or health sector locally, because that is important because that's, that's the anchor, right? That, that's what ends up keeping companies interested in staying local because 
almost immediately as companies launch, there is interest and and pressure to leave. Um, and so and so the the way you maintain you you mitigate that pressure is by by you know by local dollars. And and so so I think there's lots of effort in different ways uh, to build that out. And I think what we need in the end is a diversity of different investors, funders, investment funds uh, in Calgary who are willing to support particularly very early stage uh, companies, and that will help anchor things. Yeah, it always comes down to that. Um, curious, and you, you hinted out a little bit, uh, we had a magic wand, I like to ask this question every once in a while, and we could just wave it in the air and remove some obstacles. Government, Maybe it's government, maybe it's regulatory, maybe it's like the obstacles, we don't have enough funding. What's on your magic wand list? Anything that you would be able to say, hey, you know what, push that out of the way, and man, we would really be able to accelerate the path forward for the health, health sector, biotech in, in Calgary. You know, I, I'm a passionate believer that the entrepreneurial process is all about overcoming obstacles. So, so, so I think I think work needs to be done on obstacles and barriers. But what I what I'm even more interested in is what are the facilitators, right? Like what are the what are the enablers around us? And, yeah. and certainly, Creative Destruction Labs is a great example. Thin Air Labs, you know, um, you know, we we definitely uh, you know make every effort to contribute from from the Castex perspective. Um, but 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 yeah, funding resources. Resources, um, you know, if, if there's opportunity for government tax credits um, to, to help, you know, build those war chests for the companies to, to, to mm-hmm. move forward. But I think I think the obstacles can be overcome. I mean, we, they are being overcome. Um, and, and so we just need more accelerant to, to, to move things forward. But again, in the last five years, there's just been massive forward movement in this direction. Uh, and, and I think, and I think we're seeing, we're seeing the rewards of that already for the community. And I think we'll see more and more. I, I tend to agree with you from, a, from there's, there's a, there's a level of momentum. I started the show a couple of years ago and just the, the tone and the energy around the conversations and the diversity of the pockets of the things that are happening, which is exactly why we started the show is let's shine some light on some things that are happening in Calgary that are very positive that maybe aren't seeing the light of day. Maybe it's also because I'm looking for them, but that has accelerated so much. Like we're on a very early, early stage of this cycle, but it is moving in the right direction. I, I would agree with you right across the board. And when you have a podcast that talks to people that are moving and shaking, you tend to really get the impression that there's a lot of moving and shaking going on. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I tend sure. to only talk to those individuals. Lawrence, thanks so much. You really gave me some really interesting perspective and, and understanding. I, I I knew of Castex Ventures and honestly, I had jumped to a bit of a conclusion. I didn't really understand the role that you guys played in a highly necessary role to help people continue to play for their to their strengths in a sector where they need that support. Support, but it's a real team uh, team approach to kind of elevate and get to that next level of of getting some funding and kind of going out and setting you up for success. Um, Lumio I, on your website is easy, easy to find. What's the best way if somebody wants to? You know, Lumio.com, Castexventures, you guys.com as well. If somebody wants to reach out and get a hold of you guys, anything specific or any ways that they can find you? Yeah, no, I think we're we're around. We're inter- you know, I'm a big believer in serendipity, surface area. You know, talk to passionate people, and good things will will happen. So, so we're. Uh, I, I I'd love to talk to anybody who's interested in the work we do and uh, to to look for opportunities for 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 collaboration. And I think there's lots in, in the community. Some sometimes we're Lumio is a great example where we're, we've been you know outward facing out of the community, trying to build the business and 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 grow. But but at this stage, we're we're eager to connect locally um, and 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 build bridges, support others, have others support us, and you know et cetera. And so 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 you know. It, please reach out through, through any of our websites and uh, we'd love to chat. 
Lawrence, I really appreciate you know the global stage in which you guys operate on, but how Calgary centric and how rooted you are in 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 this ecosystem here. And it's companies like like yourself, it's groups like yourselves that are going to move us forward and allow Calgary to you know be more even more of the awesome place that I already believe that it is. <laughs> Well, and that's key, you know, like what is what is the ultimate advantage to operating a company out of Calgary? Well, it's Calgary, right? I mean, it's the <laughs> lifestyle. It's 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 what my children get to experience every day. It's what we do on the weekends. Uh, I mean, it is a it is an amazing amazing place to live in, in, in an amazing entrepreneurial community. Um and and it's wonderful to be a tiny part of that. Oh, very cool. That's a great note to leave on. Lawrence, thanks so much for your time today. I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. 